Welcome to another episode of Your Intention Matters, the podcast. My name is still Paul Madot. Thanks very much for joining me on this episode. Today I have Jeroen Kortout. He is co-founder of SalesFlare, coming to us from the beautiful port city of Jeroen. Where are you? In Antwerp, in Belgium. Belgium. I, I knew Belgium, but I didn't want to pronounce it wrong, man. So uh, welcome. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah, glad to be here. Say hi to everybody and uh, provide a quick intro. Uh, so, hi everybody, I'm uh, Jeroen, uh, co-founder of Salesflare. Um, Salesflare is uh, an easy-to-use and intelligence CRM for small businesses who sell B2B. Uh, we only do B2B businesses and it's mostly used by, uh, by agencies and marketing agencies, software development agencies, but also a lot by um, tech startups uh, and other sort of businesses that are very focused on growing uh, their sales quickly. And we have over 2,000 companies using the software, uh, mainly because it's um, it automates a lot of the data inputs, which people uh, appreciate in a CRM. Nice. All right. You married, father? Um, I'm married, not a father yet. All right. All right. Good. Well, listen, thanks so much for being here. And so I'm looking forward to you sharing your story. So as we were speaking uh, before I hit record here, you know, the title of the podcast is called Your Intention Matters. And that's mm-hmm. really built on the foundation that, in my opinion, nothing is really given to most of us. Everything is earned and it all starts with mindset and intention and different forks on the road, different paths. And so I'm looking forward to you sharing your story. You ready to go? Yeah. Okay. So let's go back to 2006. You are, if I have the timeline correct, you are just about getting ready to start your career. You uh, graduate with a, a bachelor's in um Electra, what is that? Engineering? Uh, yeah, I, I didn't graduate at all then. But uh, uh, we can actually go back to, um, I think, about the year 2000 or so. Okay. Um, one of the first things I sort of did professionally was um, building websites. Uh, that was because I really enjoyed building stuff um, and doing that for people. And uh, that's where at that moment in my life, I saw my, my career going. So then I went um, studying engineering, um, basically because um, I was, I was uh, raised like that. My dad is an engineer and I was only raised with the idea of engineering. Um, and uh, at that mo- moment in time, I thought software engineering because building websites, software engineering, sort of seemed like a like a match. So I went to the open day and I and I had a look at what people were showing. Like they had a lot of demo stuff, um, and I didn't really like what I saw. I saw seemingly a lot of nerds disconnected from reality, <laughs> and that didn't really uh, appeal to me. So I started engineering thinking I would probably go the electrotechnical uh, route. Um, there's a lot of ways you can go there uh, still. Uh, and I, I was also quite, quite interested by the courses. Um, now, very quickly during that bachelor that you were talking about, 
I also added business management mm-hmm. um, because I was very interested in how businesses work. And actually at that moment, I also had this little uh, secondhand uh, cell phone uh, business. I had that from when I was 17 or so. And I always had big dreams of like, I'm going to buy cell phones here and then I'm going to sell them there. And then I'm going to that, make that much money on them. And I did that for a while, but very inconsistent, um, like buying and selling. I never thought of myself as a salesperson at that moment. I was just, uh, uh, I don't know what I thought about <laughs> a businessman, whatever. I, I just did it because I wanted to make some money. And I, and I saw like, you can build a business there. It's cool. Um, well, you know, if we go back 20 years to, to the timeline that you said around 2000, I mean, for mm-hmm. those of us that were really old enough to remember that time, it was the late 90s. The world was coming out of the dot-com bubble. And, yeah. and things had hit and then the Y2K concerns and the computers and everything else. And so the 2000 hits. And then, of course, if we fast forward even to mid 2001, September 11th hits and the impact on the world then. And so uh, talk to me about what it was like for you as you were f- trying to figure this out, you know, with websites in that timeline. Was, was it easy? Was it uh, difficult? What was it like back to even 20 years ago? Um, it, it was more around the year 2000, so before the bubble or when it started bubbling up and uh, and maybe uh, all all going down. But um, it was a time when um, it started off with me building a GeoCities website. It was this kind of platform on which you could you could just take pieces and drag them onto a site and then make something very basic with obviously always with a counter on there so you could count the amount of people like they got on your site um and then uh i started discovering a thing called flash at that moment very popular because you could go like you could animate everything you could build your whole website in flash and it would be like whoa amazing Mm. um although at the end when i was building the websites it already sort of People stopped using Flash for the whole site. Um, they started using it for parts uh, because they believed that HTML was probably a better idea. And I don't know what. Uh, nowadays, Flash is is almost banned on the internet because it uses so much processing power and it just doesn't work for mobile applications. Um, but for me, at that moment, everything was Flash and a little HTML. Um, it was very much still an early phase there. There were some web design agencies that would charge way too much um, for anyone who was like, uh, for instance, my mom was an architect. Uh, You could get a web agency to build something, but that was just prohibitive in terms of price. Um, And so the the very little businesses had a website. Uh, So I built some and I was that was cheaper. So, so you're in when you, when you start to go down the path from an education standpoint around engineering because it's it's mm-hmm. almost in your DNA. It's in your bloodline. It's it's the environment you were raised in. Uh, mm-hmm. What was it like for you to make the decision to not pursue that career, uh, both internally but then also from a family perspective? Any pushback from mom and dad about why aren't you doing this? And any any concerns about your decision to not really? go down that path as maybe they were grooming you to, and maybe you had thought you were going to do that as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, that actually happens uh, mostly when I was um, thinking about doing business school after engineering, 
So I did this bachelor in engineering where it was like uh, the electrotechnical with business management. I really liked the aspect of, of understanding how the business worked and stuff. So that was my minor in uh, bachelor. And then I did a master in biomedical engineering because I, <laughs> within electrotechnical engineering, that felt like the way I could make the most impact um, as, as opposed to uh, working in the energy or in telecom or in microcircuits. I thought biomedical is much more interesting. And I also had the, a lot of medical subjects, which was uh, interesting to broaden my knowledge. Um, but then at the end of that, when I was applying for jobs, um, I found that most of the jobs I was offered were very much disconnected from the customer. I would sit somewhere and build something which I enjoy, but I don't enjoy it so much if it's, if it's not somehow together with the customer. Hmm. Um, and I remember at some point I, um, I um, said that to the, the interviewers and then they said, oh, maybe you should become a project manager. Um, and then uh, I, I did a test for that and they uh, decided I was not a good project manager based on the test. Did you agree with uh, that? I didn't know. I never managed projects. So, All right. and um, I was so frustrated about this job search that that evening, uh, one of my friends was coming by to, um, he was already working and we were going out in, into the nightlife uh, and he had a credit card. I didn't have one. Uh, so with his credit cards, um, we uh, applied basically for business school for the test you had to pay 50 euros uh, to get into the test um and we did that and we went we went out i went to that uh to that uh day for business school uh only my dad knowing i don't remember when i told him but i managed to tell him about this because my mom was very much uh was even more set on the fact that after I graduated from engineering, I would, I would go take an engineering job. Um, I remember then uh, being uh, admitted into, uh, into business school and I sent my, my dad a text who at that moment was on vacation with my mom and he brought it to her there, uh, the idea. This is ironic because it's actually mostly my dad um, who wanted uh, me to go into engineering mm -hmm. actually me my brother and my sister uh, I didn't go that way my brother didn't go that way he's a, he's a strategy consultant now uh, and my sister became a doctor all right <laughs> so, no engineers unfortunately although my brother and I both uh, both graduated as well all right you know I'm curious about your decision to get into the CRM game because mm -hmm. when you decided to do it six, seven years ago now and firmly launched Salesflare, the CRM industry was pretty established. Salesforce.com, you have Microsoft mm -hmm. Dynamics, you have um, SAP, uh, Oracle is in that game a little bit as well. And so HubSpot also is a, is a pretty good uh, presence, at least here certainly on, on this side of the world. But I, I'm curious about your decision to... Uh, jump into that arena what was behind that how long did it take and what was it a long process before you finally you know put the open for business sign up and what was that like yeah uh that's that's a few steps forward so so i'll maybe continue the story a bit and then and then because it it, it leads up to that kind of um so after 
business school, long story short, but um, I, uh, I knew I wanted to start my own business, uh, but I wanted some experience because I didn't really feel ready. Um, so I thought the best way of doing that was to take a marketing job as a sort of product manager. Uh, I studied biomedical engineering, so I thought a pharma company. Um, that was in the middle of the, the financial crisis. It took me a few months to actually find that kind of job. A lot of prospecting um, with all kinds of people. Um, then I found that job. I hated it, basically. Yeah, and maybe interesting there from a sales perspective also. Uh, I did a, a, a product manager job in pharma, which you are supposed to only do after you've done sales in pharma. Mm. Uh, that's the, the way they think about it there because as a marketeer, you are um, supporting salespeople in their role. And if you've never have done sales, then you won't do a good job. That's the overall thinking. But I anyhow uh, skipped that step. Um, my boss had also skipped it. She came from a finance role and went into marketing. So you're a bit more open to that, uh, to that sort of thinking. Um, then uh, I hated that job because it was so limited. It was not at all like, like uh, leading my own company. It was basically uh, the international people would make a brochure and I would take that brochure. I would cut it into pieces, rearrange it a bit, uh, translate it in Dutch and French because we speak two languages here. Uh, and uh, that was sort of it, teaching the salespeople how to use it. Hmm. Uh, so it was not a lot of fun. I found an, a new, another job after eight months. Uh, and that was based on my own search of starting something again. I was thinking about um, building websites, which I was doing a bit at the pharma company. Nobody else knew how to build websites. And I thought I have this pharma background now. So what if I start building websites for pharma? And then I talked to this guy who said, oh, that's what we do. And he said, um, you're too young. Nobody's going to believe you, mm -hmm. uh, but just come join us. I'll teach you everything. Uh, if in six months you feel like leaving, you leave, uh, but come work for us. I did that for four years. And that's where I had my first experience with CRMs. So basically in that marketing consultancy, it's more of a eCRM sales marketing, whatever term you want to use consultancy. So Pharma companies are very sales driven, right? They send salespeople yeah. to doctors and um, the more salespeople you send, the more money you're gonna make. And they believe there's a linear relationship there. Now that model is breaking down as all these pharma companies have sent so many sales reps that doctors are really sick of it. Yeah. Uh, plus the internet has come along and um, Doctors can also find the things that salespeople come tell them about. They can find it online because in pharma, you're, you're very much uh, uh, bringing information and, and doing promotion rather than actually closing a deal. Um, so we helped pharma companies make that transition uh, from very sales driven companies mm -hmm. to companies that do a lot of uh, digital stuff, uh, marketing wise, but also on the sales side. And we used a lot of uh, Salesforce in there both uh, at the client and internally. And it was my very first CRM. Uh, and so I, I, I took that like quite seriously. I really wanted to uh, use it the way it was supposed to use. And what people told me is that it would help me organize my sales. So I really tried to use it for that, but I, I didn't really manage 
uh, to make that work for me. And I, I didn't really see my, my sales colleagues do it either, which was weird. Mm. Um, our CEO, on the other hand, he loved it. So um, he, he used it for reporting. He would see what sales opportunities would be in there, uh, calculate forecasts, uh, bring that to the board, sometimes clean it up and all that. Uh, but for us, it didn't really help us sell at all. Uh, often during sales meetings, we would even have fights about what was in Salesforce and what was not in Salesforce and right. why the same two people would go after the same company and all that. Um, but it seemed normal and I didn't do anything with that insight then for, for a few years uh, until I was working with my co-founder, another software company. Um, he had asked to help him out with marketing and sales. And we went to a conference, really go, go, go sell at a, at a big IBM conference in Vegas, actually. Uh, we were selling uh, software that was compatible with an IBM product. Uh, so it was a good place for us. And we had so many leads that we had to start building a system on how to organize them. Interesting. And um, I knew that Salesforce wasn't going to help. And then we tried uh, quite some other ones. And what we noticed was that um, every system we used, we sort of failed at it. And we saw that it was not the system failing per se, it was us because it seemed that the system was expecting that we would fill it out perfectly or we're sort of this kind of robots that would, would fill it out so that it would be so neat that we could find everything there and then and use it for a sales follow-up. But that's not something we felt we could do. And then we looked at all the other salespeople out there, uh, which also hate CRM in most cases. That's how, how it's uh, voiced. Um, and we started thinking about how to, how to solve that. And what we saw is that most of the data you're actually inputting into a CRM is actually data you already have somewhere else. So, mm -hmm. so you, for instance, you send an email or you book a meeting or place a call, and then you go into the CRM to document that you're basically duplicating information. So very conceptually, what we thought was if that data is already in other places, why don't we just pull that data together, build a system on top of it, and make it very easy for salespeople to, um, to manage existing data, curate it, and not have to manually fill it out yourself as a sort of second universe or something. Uh, and that's, that's when Salesforce was born. So we built a, an intelligence CRM uh, on top of existing data and make sure that it organizes data automatically so you don't need to fill it out manually. Uh, and then also back to my first point, um, it actively helps you with following up your customers based on that data as well. Um, so it keeps track of everything and provides you a great overview. Uh, it even automatically reminds you when a certain customer needs follow-up. Uh, so our, our biggest mission when we started Salesforce was to help salespeople focus on their customers mm. through their CRM by making it very easy and automated one so you can perfectly follow up uh, without spending a lot of time on, on this sort of robotic tasks and inputting data in your CRM. And that's still uh, why we're doing this today. You know, I imagine in all the years that you've been, you've been doing this, uh, you know, seven, six, seven years now or so, uh, you must have seen significant growth and changes in the industry, but then also for you to keep sustaining this. So you're now you're almost seven years into it. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about 2020. 
because it wasn't the year that I certainly thought it would be going into 2020. And I imagine you're probably in the same boat as well. And even though, you know, January, we were aware of what was coming possibly, but it wasn't released over here on the, uh, mm. in the North America side. I mean, I, I thought this is going to be a little blip and we'll just get through this. It'll be over in Europe. It'll stay in Asia and it won't come over here. So I was not prepared for this at all. So, you know, I know Europe was hit pretty hard uh, for a, a good stretch there. Uh, Yeroon, talk to me about 2020. How have you been personally? How have you been professionally? How have you handled the last six months? Um, I must say, probably for me, it was quite okay compared to for some other people. Um, I lead a software as a service business, which is largely unaffected by COVID. So we have some businesses uh, that are affected. So we are sort of second order affected, but very little. Um, most businesses in the in the in the agencies and the and the startups are 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 not so much affected. So not so much of an issue in that respect. In terms of um, Connecting with customers, we've always done it online because we serve customers actually mainly in the US. Uh, then our second market is the UK. Uh, then it's Benelux, like Belgium, Netherlands, Luxembourg. Um, then some rest of Europe, uh, Australia. Uh, Canada is obviously also in there. Um, so we're sort of all over the world and all our communication is digital anyway or Zoom calls or whatever. Uh, where we had the biggest change was um, internally, at least business-wise, um, because we had to bring everything we, we, we did online. We believed very much in, um, in uh, all being in the same office. We even have this, uh, this, this very big room in which we have a long stretch of tables. So we're sort of all around the same table working uh, because we believe that that's kept communication going. Um, we only understood during COVID that it's this kind of accidental communication is not necessarily uh, good communication. That uh, when you build processes to uh, keep communication flowing in a systematic way that it helps much more. So that's what we've been uh, working out, I think in the first two, three months of COVID. Um, and since then we got pretty used to things um and then next to business it's on the social level yeah we we don't see a whole lot of people uh, online right. yes but uh like for instance right now we're we're um at least supposedly limited to seeing five people outside our uh, family right right nobody else so it's it's a different life there well, listen, I, I give you a lot of credit for what you've been able to create uh, this year, uh, you know, battling through something that there's really no blueprint on how to figure this out. And it sounds like your business has been okay. It sounds like personally, uh, you guys are doing okay as well. Uh, congrats on everything you've been able to create professionally and continued success with Salesflare. Appreciate uh, you being on today. Thanks for the time. Yeah, thank you. This All right. was fun. You're welcome. All right, everybody, let's wrap this one up right now. Remember, your intention matters. Why? Because that's the result you'll tend to get. We're out of here. We'll do it again next week. And uh, be safe, everybody.